Welcome in, one and all. We uh, love having you here today on a Thursday. Ben, do you know what grapple is? A grapple? The grapple? fight? Yeah. No. Oh, I do not know what grapple is. Grapple, grapple, whatever. Uh, I had no idea uh, of that term before moving to Wisconsin. And um, one of the uh, meteorologists, Mark Baden from uh, Channel 12 here in Milwaukee, had just posted that, um, and he posted a shot of the radar, and he said, uh, Mother Nature throwing down its form of Dippin' Dots, which is grapple. Uh, grapple's like little tiny, tiny combination of rain slash ice pellets. Oh, I know it's Dippin' like a, Dots. Yeah, it's kind of like dip the Dippin' dots. dots, but that's what it looks like. When it hits the ground, it looks like nature's form of Dippin' Dots. I had never heard that before. I had to ask you because you're from Philly. If you had ever heard of the term grapple, I, I came from Cincinnati, never heard of that. Never. It was always to us, it was sleet. You know, that type of thing. But I just, uh, it's funny because I looked uh, at the, uh, the, uh, the, I was looking on Twitter and I saw it pass by and then I looked up and sure enough, it's got, it was kind of like, I thought it was raining and it wasn't. It was this little, you know, sleety stuff that it started to accumulate uh, on the patio just outside the window. So it's uh, kind of, Kind of some goofy weather going on right now. But I've never heard the term grapple before. I don't know why I brought it up other than the fact that it's topical right here in front of me. But there you have it. Hey, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Dwayne's Covered All, Wisconsin's best canvas upholstery and boat cover provider. And if you got furniture, office furniture you want to get recovered, if you got, uh, say, gym equipment you want to get taken care of, just about anything, he can do it. Um, Ottomans, you name it. Uh, Dwayne is fantastic with everything. So uh, give him a call, 715-870-2119, 715-870-2119, or just go see what he does at Dwayne's, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne's, cover it all, dot com. There you go. It's like a, yeah, it's um, kind of all Todd says, it's like a rain-snow mix. It is, but again, the best way to describe it, and I never heard it described this way, but it's perfect, and that is it's kind of like nature's Dippin' Dots, the little tiny, tiny little ice pellets. Uh, that uh, just little round pellets that fall to the ground, and I just looked out the window, and sure enough, there was like a little, a little covering, a little coating of these things that is starting to fall, and it uh, just made me sad because <laughs> you know me, I'm all about summer. I love a big snow come summer, come Christmas time. I, I love that. I'll take that every day of the week. But once we get past New Year's Eve, it's like okay, uh, I'm back to 85 and sunny. Let's do this. You know, let's let's get out of that. So anyway, uh, the story rocking the fishing world rocking it the fishing scandal that has fascinated the nation last week uh, uh last week entering the courtroom phase now after jacob runyon 42 of ashtabula ohio and chase kaminsky of hermitage pennsylvania they got accused of cheating during a fishing tournament on lake erie a cleveland grand jury has indicted them on fifth-degree felony charges of cheating, attempted grand theft, and possessing criminal tools. In addition, they've been served with the first-degree misdemeanor charge of unlawful ownership of wild animals. I don't know what the hell that means. I wonder where anal beads fall in the spectrum of uh, <laughs> tools. <laughs> weren't putting anal beads in the fish. Just. Yeah, but it's cheating. They're taking money. 
right? Criminal tools. Uh, they have been. Uh, I don't know what the uh, the unlawful ownership of wild animals is. Is that the fish? The Did they had other fish they were cutting up. I, a close inspection of the fish, followed by the on-spot dissection, proved that the fish were indeed illegally stuffed. Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley says, I take all crimes very seriously, and I believe that these two individuals attempted to do what they t- attempted to do was not only dishonorable, but also criminal. So the fact that the nation's eyes are on the walleye fishing tournament coming out of Lake Erie. By the way, if you've never gone fishing for walleye, Lake Erie is fantastic. Lake Erie is shallow, though. You get winds that kick up. Uh, my dad took me on a fishing excursion to go catch walleye. We caught our limit. I mean, it was we were only out there a few hours. But the wind kicked up. I threw up all over myself. I threw up. I threw up in the car. I threw up in the boat. I threw up everywhere. And I'm a boater, but we were up and down and up and down, man. Those long, up and down swells. Ooh, never forget that. But Lake Erie, yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, the duo had uh, been on a remarkable, uh, and to many other anglers, highly suspicious winning streak for several months, winning multiple tournaments on Lake Erie and along the way amassing hundreds of thousands of dollars in prize money and awards when uh, their fish were cut open to reveal the weights and fillets that they'd been stuffing the fish with. Other anglers erupted in rage that was caught on a cell phone video. Uh, The rage arose from the fact that the tournament fishing, winning, claim prizes, all that kind of good stuff could have ended up with anglers that didn't cut the corners. So anglers were basically screwed out of money. And these guys were winning not by pounds, but by, you know, ounces and stuffing those fish along the way. So others would have been, should have been winning. So they, they're saying that uh, this is, I still want to know what the charge is for unlawful ownership of wild animals. I'm fascinated by that charge. I'm going to do some research here. Yeah. The, the felony charges of cheating I get to the tune of 300,000 bucks. Okay, I get that. That's that's a chunk of change right there that you stole, basically. But in addition, they've both been served with first-degree misdemeanor charges of unlawful ownership of animals. It says, no person shall uh, possess or transport a wild animal that has been taken or possessed unlawfully outside the state. The hell does that mean? It's a great question. They, they did some fishing in Pennsylvania and smuggled uh, the fish. Smuggled those fish in is what they're saying. That, that the guy brought them, he, he stuffed them in Pennsylvania and then brought them into Cuyahoga County. Is that what we're looking at? Across state lines, bad fishery. Hmm. I was hoping there was like wild roosters or something that was going to enter into this story. I guess not. No person at <laughs> any time of year shall take in any manner or possess any number or quantity of wild animals except those animals in the revised code or division rules uh, permit to be taken, hunted, killed, or had in possession, and only at the time and place in which the matter the code prescribe. Okay, oh. so in other words... Laws are impossible to... Like, yeah, you you cannot hunt out, out of season. You cannot hunt across state lines out of season. You cannot take an animal that you shot or hunt or fished from one state to the next out of season or unlawfully. There could be catch limits, release limits, size limits, all that kind of stuff. Okay. I guess fish being hooked are considered wild. 
They're just stacking the charges against these guys. As if larceny wasn't enough. You know what I mean? As if fraud wasn't enough. You guys not only stuffed these fish, you transported them. We're going to add on a charge of taking these fish across state lines as if they were kidnapped. Hooked somewhere else and kidnapped. But uh, regardless, uh, the the fishermen not only came within a, an inch of getting their asses whooped publicly on camera after this was discovered, but also in addition to that, they are now being charged in Cuyahoga County by a prosecutor that you can only assume wouldn't have given two blanks about this case had it not gone viral. And now it's at the forefront of many people's minds. So he is going to jump into the middle of the media process and say, look at me. I'm protecting fishermen everywhere. I want to stand up for fish's rights here. This is all messed up. (laughs) Fish had nothing to do with this. Fish had nothing going on. They were just the innocent bystanders. They were just kind of hanging out one day. Something floated by. Next thing you know, bam, in a boat. They were getting a boat ride. No boat ride. That was it. So, um, yeah, Steve says, what about the poor fish that they're, uh, they're, they're killing them to make them look heavier than they really are? Uh, just watch the video. You can see the big-ass weights uh, they pulled out of the walleye. Oh, no, I've seen the video. Absolutely. I've seen the video. It wasn't like they were just uh, sticking in a couple of uh, small, you know, split split shots. Nothing like that. They were sticking big old sinkers in them in those things. Oh yeah, I I saw that. I wonder what I wonder is how they found out. Did they just look at fish that were kind of the same size and say, "There's something funny here." You know what I mean? How did they discover this? Because it's not that it, these guys didn't do it just once; they had been doing it. Was it just somebody said, "Hey, this isn't right, man." These guys are winning every week, and they're, the, the fish are average, but they're finding these great big fat fish along the way, these big bloated things that can't even hardly swim if they were in the water, and then somebody grabbed them by the tail and spun them around, and stuff started flying out of them or something. How do they find out? That's what I want to know. How do they look at this and go, yeah, you got some pork-ass fish here, man. How are you finding the fish that have yet to go to Weight Watchers? Let us know that. So it continues on, fishing at its best. Anything else to add to the story, Ben? I know you're fascinated with these cheating cheating scandals. Not not much to add. I'm interested to see how the sentencing goes and what really comes of it. I don't know. I'm kind of captivated by fishing now. I, I want to get into it. I, I want to get fishing cultured. I'm not very cultured when it comes to that world. It's, it's a fascinating segment of the world, fishing yeah. competitions. I also want to okay. test how many weights do you have to put in a fish for it to sink. If you put it in a lake, I also uh, want to get, uh, you know, um, we, we need to get somebody on the uh, air from Ireland to talk about the sex scandal in Irish dance. That's I, I, I hopefully there's video of that <laughs> <laughs> video of the competition or video of the bad well, deed. It, it's I guess it was the bad deeds along the way. Now, let me be clear on this, because I, I, I did have to I, I did have to straighten this up. The young girls that were or young boys that were dancing were not a part of the sex scandal just so we're clear on this okay the teachers and the studio owners are the ones that were trading sex for scores just so we know 
because uh, I had a couple of people that said, wait a minute, how can you laugh about young girls, you know, being used for sex? That, that's, that, that's not what was happening. That's not what was happening. What was happening was teachers at these dance schools were, uh, you know, basically doing certain things, you know, to the, to the same extent maybe or a little bit more than what Robert Kraft paid for. And they were doing certain things and deeds with other judges to get higher scores for their school. So there they could then therefore charge more money after winning all these competitions in Irish dance. So just just so we were clear on that. But I still want there's video of that. Because the dance teachers have to be able to dance as well, right? You figured they were dancers along the way. Are your feet moving in that way when you're doing the deed of the the the, the judging posturing, so to speak? Okay, enough. Enough of that. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to come back. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is from Terry who says, hey, honey, come here and only wear those tap shoes. That's All right. You people are a mess. You people are a mess. I give you a 10. <laughs> More of the Bill Michaels show. Get the hell out the show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy one. Hit us up by all means. Go ahead and do it. Love to have you on board. Um, just a lot of weirdness today. Uh, this is from Anthony, who says, uh, "Hey, unit, if the Packers lose this one, what are your thoughts after all of this? Are the Packers still a playoff bound team?" Um, boy, that's a great question. If they lose this one. Ooh, boy. Hmm. I, I personally, I would have to say probably not. Probably not. Um, in this case, I would, I would look at the Packers and say, well, um if they if they can't win this game then what game are they what what then would they be favored in I guess might be the best way to put it you know When you look at their schedule, man, that's a great question. That's a great, Ben. What game would they be if if they're not favored against the Jets? 
then what game would the Packers be favored in, right? Well, they are seven and a half points. No, no. If they lose this one. Oh, I don't know. I, Vegas takes a long time to correct. The Wisconsin Badgers haven't been underdogs against a non-Ohio State team in three years, going on four, and we've seen the results don't always add up to that. They mm-hmm. also still play the Lions uh, and the Commanders, and they're uh, even home against the Cowboys in Chicago, home against the Lions again. I think they'll be favored in the majority of the games. Right. I, I, th- I put it this way. I think they would be favored... But what game could you confidently pick them in? Right? Yeah, I think that's the that's the angle. Yeah. I don't I don't know that I could confidently pick them in any game after that if you lose to the Jets. That's a great question. That's a really good question because you look at because when we started with their schedule we thought, okay, eh, the Minnesota game, eh, that's probably a coin flip. We thought they'd win against Chicago. Tampa Bay, we figured they'd lose. New England, we thought they'd win. The Giants, that we thought they'd win. The Jets, the Commanders, we thought they'd win. And then maybe that third loss of the season comes at Buffalo. Then they win. Uh, even though they struggle at Detroit, you figure, well, they win at Detroit, but they're really good at protecting the home field. So they beat Dallas. They beat Tennessee. Uh, going into Philadelphia, eh, you know what? We kind of figured, uh, you know, prime time, Sunday night, that kind of thing. They're going to beat the, the the Eagles. Now I, that game looks like it's in doubt, and then they'll win on the road against Chicago. If they lose this game, I think we could pick them to beat uh, Washington. They'll lose to Buffalo. It's a coin flip in Detroit. Even though Detroit is not a great football team, I thought they would be better. And they still have time to kind of turn it around. But Detroit is, is after that, that blanking that they took at the hands of the uh, – New England Patriots, I don't know if I have as much faith in Detroit anymore. Uh, that's a coin flip because playing in Detroit's always iffy. Dallas would probably beat them at home. Tennessee's kind of a coin flip. They'll lose at Philadelphia and then beat Chicago. So if they lose this one, they're what, 3-3? Three and three. They'd beat Washington 4-3, and three, lose at Buffalo 4-4. Four and four. Detroit will say 5-4. Five and four. Dallas 5-5. Five and five. Tennessee... Uh, six and five. Lose to Philadelphia, six and six. At Chicago, they get a win, seven and six. Lose to the Rams, especially if they get OBJ back, seven and seven. Two is back, lose at Miami, seven and eight. Minnesota would get them again, seven and nine. Get Detroit at home, eight and nine. That I mean, if they lose to the, the to the Jets, I think everything comes into question. I think there's a couple of sure games they would win. They probably steal one or two along the way. But are we then looking at a team that's winning nine games this season if they don't put the the train back on the tracks this week and look good doing it? At this point, do you have any confidence of them, of them at all going into Buffalo, Ben, and getting a win? In Buffalo, no. But I also would factor in some, as the season progresses, they get at least a little better in key areas. I just don't know how much better and if it's going to be enough. Can they win that way? Yes, I I understand that. But the only thing that I can see 
is if they start using Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs really come on and they start to be able to expand that downfield a little bit, okay? And then they really get back to, you know, the Bakhtiari's back. You really solidify your offensive line. You've got a little more aggressiveness out of Joe Barry. Then maybe they can morph into the team that we thought they were going to be. And then I guess the next question is, if and when you get Sammy Watkins back, and what does he do for you? You know, does he stick around or does he get hurt again? You know, I mean, because right now Sammy Watkins has been, it's been a non-factor. So, I, man, that's that's a great question. I, I appreciate it because it made me think. I like questions like that that make me think. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, this is from Bill who says, Have you ever been involved in a fishing tournament? Sometimes it's only a few ounces. That make the difference between you winning five to ten thousand dollars or winning nothing at all. I would be pissed too if I got X'd out of a fishing tournament because some guy was stuffing it with. Oh, I, absolutely! I can I can understand that. That that's the reason you saw the anger. First of all, it's kind of it's a gentleman sport. We talk about golf being the gentleman sport, but it really is kind of a gentleman sport because, you know, I know they go through the the live wells and such prior to. I understand that. So you go and don't correct me if I'm wrong. Don't fish have to be alive when they weigh in? So if you're stuffing these fish and they're dead, I thought those de- those fish were disqualified. So I, that's a whole other rule setting for another day. But I've I've been a, I've seen those. My dad used to fish in tournaments. I mean, small tournaments. You know, Brookville Lake, the Ohio River, you know, a couple of the lakes around the area. Uh, so I understand that. Nothing big, but the, yeah, I hey, <laughs> with the amount of if it if it was the difference between me having to pay for my own hotel room or winning ten thousand dollars, yeah, I'd be pissed if I I caught a guy cheating. Yeah, that's these guys take it serious. I one hundred percent, I agree. I get it. No, no, I I don't laugh at it because of uh, the the cheating aspect of it. I certainly don't condone it, but yeah. Do you think PETA gets involved here at all? If the fish that they stuffed were alive at the time they stuffed them and basically stuffed these things down these fish's throats until they gagged and died, you could say maybe it's abuse to some extent, but, you know, if you're going to keep them and eat them anyway, I mean, I you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can even eat them after you put lead weights in them. I don't even know if they absorb the lead. I couldn't tell you. But sure, Maybe. Because a lot of the times in these tournaments, they catch these fish and then they release them, and they release them usually at the point of at the point of uh, wherever they're weighing them in at, and that's why fishermen are all sitting out there in the in the bay waiting for these things to be released because they can recatch them. Which it gotta suck if you're a fish and you take one shot and you get nabbed and then you can take one right after you get released again you're like i'm free let's eat oh God, crap you know so, i don't know I, I couldn't tell you it's not it's not my thing man i love fishing but i i just don't do it in tournaments i don't know good question 877-867-1670 it's exploitation of the fish 
That's what Tom says. Exploitation of fish. I feel bad for the fish now, being like that. Uh, we're, we're completely off topic. Let's do this. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll try to reset for the last half hour of the show. Stay tuned. we got a lot more to get to. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Sunset Grill in Pewaukee. Going to be there in a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, for the uh, for the huddle. Looking forward to that. Sunset Grill, though, uh, not a whole lot of fishermen coming in off the lake right now because it's kind of cool outside, but still a great place to go. Watch the sunsets. Watch the game. Good stuff. Our friends at Sunset Grill in Pewaukee. Stop over. Tell them we said hi. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up. Coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. be in the future right uh getting into the postseason and getting a win in round one of the postseason last year they want to uh extend that this season go to milwaukeeadmirals.com that is milwaukeeadmirals.com good hockey action fun hockey action a lot of promotional nights they already have some concerts that are on the docket so if you're looking for something fun to do you're looking for a good night out doesn't matter what part of the state you're in come on into town catch some milwaukee admirals hockey uh hockey just you know the ahl step below that nhl they are the feeder team for the nhl nashville predators so come into town and see some uh, see some hockey good stuff uh 877-867-167 i know i know the porn bots are back today it's been a weird day that's the third time the porn bots have popped up over on the bud light live stream i get it uh, it's like they come um they come on board in bunches, but it, they'll pick a day and they'll just unload on us. So there you go. Um, not that I want to transition from porn bots in the football, but Matt LaFleur at the podium just a little while ago talking about his team and the preparation, getting ready for the New York Jets coming into town. Noon kickoff at Lambeau Field this Sunday. Here he is. Matt, did you have uh, Corey Davis in Tennessee? I did. What do you, what do you think of him? What, what makes him so good? Well, first of all, he's a, he's a great person. Um, he cares about not only the game but his teammates. He does everything the right way. Uh, he is a he's a big target. He's he's an imposing guy. Uh, does all the dirty work, blocks, just uh, a true professional a guy that I got a lot of respect for. Um, got a chance to when we practiced against him last year to reconnect and talk a little bit and uh, just somebody that. I know not only as a football player, but more importantly as a as a man, have a lot of respect for. You saw Zach Wilson basically from the very start with those practices here. I'm not sure how much you studied them those two days, but what have you just thought of what he's done here so far? Well, yeah, and I mean, I'd be lying to you guys if I didn't tell you I watched most of their games every week. So um, I, I just think you've seen you, you're starting to see the growth of him. I mean. He still hasn't, I don't even know how many games he's started now, but I think it's less than a, a real regular season. Um, but just the poise that he's showing, uh, you know, everybody could see his, his talent coming out in the draft in terms of his ability to throw the football, a natural thrower, his athleticism, his ability to throw on the move. 
but I think where you've seen that growth, and I think that's true for a lot of young guys, is just the poise at you know that you display in the pocket when things get a little muddy or things aren't going your way. He's obvious. He obviously has responded well to to adversity, and that's I think a mark of a lot of these young quarterbacks is a lot of guys get thrown in there, whether fairly or unfairly, at an early in an early part of the process, and they're going to take their lumps. But the, it, it's how you respond to that, and I think you're seeing that from him, a guy that's uh, has taken his fair share of lumps, but also has displayed that mental toughness to hang in there and and be get better as the game goes on and the more he plays. So I think that he's got he's got a bright future in front of him. He's just got to stay the course. That Seawars game day play where he led the rally in the fourth quarter, how'd that kind of exemplify that point? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think you, you saw it. That was a great representation of that. Um, and I, I think a lot of guys just get off kilter as – they don't always respond the best when things start going bad. And, uh, you know, I think that he's definitely done that. Matt, so the Jets have a two-to-one advantage with you in terms of knowing each other. They have two guys who know you, and you're the one guy who knows those two. So, I mean, knowing what they know of you, do you have to break some tendencies against guys like that? I, I, I think you always... You can overthink that too now, Spoon. So I think you always try to play that game and, um, you know, just you, you try to do what's best for, for your guys and the, the way that you feel like you can put them in the best positions possible um, and have a plan for if somebody is going to throw a curveball at you, you got to have a plan for that as well. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of versatility within our offense. Um, within our defense that we can throw different things at them. And we know that they're going to throw some curveballs at us, too, because we, we know them well. The one time I got to talk to Mike Reeves of the 49ers, he called you the serious one, by the way. Who, my brother? My brother, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. I, uh, much more mature and <laughs> better looking, right? If you've got a, a player you still believe has got a lot of potential, but you're just not seeing the consistency on game day, I know that you're, you don't hesitate to fix things at practice when it comes to technique, but what's the balance between having your position coach get that fixed and then when it's time for the head coach to step in? Yeah, I think that's it's totally um, dependent on the situation, you know, and certainly we play an imperfect game. This is an imperfect game. Mistakes are going to be made. And I think it's a fine line be, be, between overcoaching and let, letting a guy grow through whatever the process is. Uh, all these guys pick it up at, at a different pace. And um, certainly you're always going to identify and correct mistakes, but there's also a point where you overcoach at times and can it can be debilitating for guys. So um, the I would tell you this, the, the thing that I would love to see from our team is, again, mistakes are going to happen, but can you just go as fast as you can, do whatever you think is right in the moment, and do it 100 miles an hour? And then if you make a mistake, so what? We'll get it corrected. Um, now, the, the a caveat to that is you can't make repeatable mistakes. You've got to fix whatever it is and then move on.
today? We'll see when we get out there. Um, you know, we just went through uh, just a little, uh, not walk, well, kind of like a little walk through, and we'll see when we get out there. Matt, your brother said in a press conference about 45 minutes ago, if you guys talk every Monday and you give a critique on his Sunday play calling, mm-hmm. he said that phone call didn't happen this Monday. Was that a game plan or was that just busy? I think we were we were pretty busy just coming back from uh, the the trip and whatnot. But yeah, I would say uh, I'm not going to give him any pointers. I think the week that we're we're playing each other either. So, um, but no, he's a guy that you know I, I talk to on a regular basis. I told you guys that yesterday, and um, you know I care about him. I want I want all those guys to do well. I, I, I love him. I love Sala and a lot of their coaches on that staff. What do you think of just with the field goal operation, how that unit has sort of come together? You know, some of the changes you made, you know, Pat getting involved, Jack making the, the long snapper spot. What, what have you thought of what you've gotten? You know, from yeah, they've done a heck of a job. And, um, you know, you got you got to give uh, Rich a ton of credit, Byron, um, Spurlock, all those guys, you know, coaching them up. And then the players just taking the change. And certainly we've made some adjustments. I think you mentioned it. Pat's been a big plus there in terms of uh, his steadiness. I think Jackson did a great job snapping the football. Uh, it was really cool to see uh, us in a hurry-up field goal situation you know, last game, and, and just the execution was on point. I think those guys do such a great job of taking what they learned from the classroom and applying it to the game situations. There's also you know, like like I just mentioned, nothing's ever going to be perfect. There's always things that you're always, you're you're constantly cleaning up. But our players have been coachable, and they've made the necessary adjustments when we do have an issue. Have you gone back to watch the joint practices at all? Maybe not for speed, or maybe you do potentially. Like maybe, like a receiver going up against a DB, maybe with just to study their styles. Is that what do you think, Bill? What do you think? I probably would. Okay. Nobody cares what I think. I care. I'm not, I like your shirt too. Fire up chips. Jets are pretty strong up front, right? With Lawson and Quinn and Williams. And oh yeah. Is it similar to um, what Saw had with the 49ers? And then, do you see remnants of what they did there, given some of the talent is equal, good corner? Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Just the the way they coach the get off. Um, you know, coming off the football, they're they're penetrators up front. They've got talent. The one thing that jumps off the tape is they play with relentless effort, and that's always a choice. And I think they do a great job of getting that um, out of their players. I think Aaron White Cotton's done a, a heck of a job there as the D line coach. Uh, Jeff Albrick is the coordinator, and and Sala, and just instilling that philosophy within their that that unit is evident on tape. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good one. There you go. That is Matt LaFleur talking to the media, and uh, he doesn't seem nearly as uptight this week as he was last week. Maybe he maybe he listened, and he said, well, wait a minute. Why do people think that about me? And maybe he, maybe he uh, kind of took it to heart. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. That is coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. (laughs) 
now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers will practice getting ready to host the New York Jets Sunday at noon. Aaron Rodgers unable to practice yesterday. He was in the training room getting treatments for his right hand after injuring his thumb against the Giants. Was he concerned it was a broken thumb? Well, I mean, in the moment, you're still kind of uh, got the adrenaline going. Once the adrenaline wore off and got on the bus, got back to the airport on the plane, I, I knew that it was... Uh, banged up a little bit, but it's gotten better since then every day. The Packers face a much improved Jets defense with players like Carl Lawson, graded as the number one defensive end in the league, rookie Sauce Gardner at cornerback, and Quinnen Williams, a first-round pick out of Alabama, and now on the Jets defensive line, New York is 3-2, and two, but Williams says they could be better. I always focus on what can we get better at, what can we do to get more sacks, what can we do to get more takeaways, more sack fumbles, the different things you do to change games and dominate games. Um, this week we're going against Aaron Rodgers and a Hall of Fame quarterback like that, so just staying focused on the main goal is to get better every single day and to be consistent and dominate every single time. The Jets defense has seven interceptions. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. A group that's around the football making plays on the ball. They All those guys have, have really good ball skills. So it's going to be important that first and foremost that we protect up front, but also that we get guys in the right area and, and our quarterback's going to have to do a great job of progressing through his reads in the timing of the play. That's Matt LaFleur. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. To the program brought to you by our friends at Potawatomi Hotel Casino. Go to PaysBig.com. PaysBig.com. They have all kinds of days to play. Good stuff. And uh, you got uh, October Best going on right now where you can win additional cash along the way. Use your Firekeepers Club card. You're good to go. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Uh, Phil Mickelson. Now, it's funny because Phil Mickelson says back in February that the Saudis are scary MRFers. In March, he said, wow, that interview was off the record after the backlash. And then today says, no, I never gave that interview. I never did that. So Phil Mickelson, just full of crap. Uh, But he says now that he is on the winning side. Phil Mickelson saying he's on the winning side that uh, the PGA Tour is trending downward. He also denied doing that interview. Here's what Phil had to say. Uh, take a listen. Made some comments um, about this country last year, which you've apologized for. I just wonder how you feel about now you're here. Have you changed your opinion? So uh, I will reiterate, I never did an interview with Alan Shipnick, and I, f- I find that my experience with everybody associated with Live Golf has been nothing but incredibly positive uh and i have the utmost respect for everybody that i've been involved with phil mickelson's full of crap so he uh, said a month ago that while the pga tour has all the best players in the world for the past 20 to 30 years that's never going to be the case again he came out even stronger in a news conference today said i think going forward you have to pick a side you have to pick a side what to do what do you think is going to be successful I believe that I'm on the winning side of how things are going to evolve and shape in the coming years for professional golf. We play against a lot of the best players in the world on Live, and there are a lot of the best players in the world on the PGA Tour. And until both sides sit down and have a conversation and work something out, both sides are going to continue to change and evolve. And I see Live trending upward. I see the PGA Tour trending downward. 
and I love that I'm on this side. So there you go. <laughs> just Phil just uh, standing over there in the country and says, no, I never said that. I didn't. What? I didn't do anything. Who? Me? No. Yeah, Phil, Phil tends to be full of crap. Phil tends to be full of crap. You being the uh, the golf enthusiast, Ben, um, when you look at Phil Mickelson now, and and I've got a feel. I mean, there were there's Phil fans. Don't get me wrong, but I've got a feel that many people have now looked at Phil Mickelson and said, "Get the hell out of here." Yeah, my grandmother noted a huge Phil fan. I think it's kind of pathetic what he's done, uh, and you could tell like he doesn't really believe what he's saying. He's saying, oh, I'm right. in a better place than I've ever been. It looks like he's aged 10 years oh, in the last God, year yeah. and a half. Yes. Yeah, no, I would agree 100% with that. He he does. He looks like he's just, uh, he's he's weary, might be the best way to put it. 100% agree. He also sucks at golf now, which is a great <laughs> part of all of this. Right. Yeah, he's getting paid a lot of money, but he's really not playing that well. So that's also uh, not a... Uh, that, that's a, a little snicker on, upon our part. You just wonder, okay, if Phil was on the PGA Tour, what would he be doing right now? Champion Store. I think he would be watching a lot of tournaments after day two rather than playing in them, just in the way he's played. That I agree. Uh, coming up tomorrow, it's a Friday, and we all know Fridays are kind of fun days. Fridays, we just try to... Try to enjoy the day. We'll have Mike Clemens in the final hour of the show tomorrow. Anybody book tomorrow, Ben? Yes. Uh, Al Ianazoni. I need to get the pronunciation down. From Covers the Jets. Yes. Will join us. From New York. And Rob Reichel. Oh, Rob's going to be back. Okay. Good stuff. Rob's going to join us. Clemens tomorrow. Matt Mitchell. We're going to do some little betting. Get you all caught up for the weekend as both uh, college and pros get back at it. So we got some betting tomorrow as well. So we're going to have that for you. Excited about that. Uh, real quick, this is also from Bill. Bill says, uh, hey, love the show today. He says, but I would pick the Packers to win a majority of the games moving forward. I don't think they're going to lose at home. And I also think there's more than a few winnable games on the road. They'll get this thing right. Don't count them out just yet. Bill, I'm hoping. I'm. It wasn't that I said they wouldn't win games. What I said was, the I was answering a question. The question was, if they lose to the Jets too, Tell me what team beyond the Jets that they will win. And I said, even if you're not favored, let's just look at the games that you think they'll win or lose. And that's I went through the list, the way they're playing right now. You know, they're playing some teams that are a little bit better. And I, I don't know if they have that capability, if they don't change some things. Can they get better? Absolutely. Are they a good team? I believe they have good defensive personnel. I've always thought that. I just think now it's a matter of scheme and putting it together. And Joe, Joe Barry pulling his head out of his ass, for lack of a better term. That's it. So we're going to be back at it again tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Thanks for all of you watching on the Bud Light live stream. Thanks to the porn bots for not eating us up too much. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. Ah, oh, Friday can't get here fast enough, can it? <laughs> Time for us to go. Have a go. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.